Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. What's up, everyone? This is the Go Along Podcast. I'm Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas. Jim Monas has some extraordinary news to share. I'm sure our loyal podcast listeners, they've been, they've been following the news, but thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to share the news that Jim Monas is taking his talents to the XFL, baby. So, Jim, tell us what you can, how it came to fruition. It sounds like the band is getting back together to an extent, correct? <laughs> well, this is one of those you don't have to think too hard on. The, the the connections on this one are just too crazy. But it starts with Russ Brandon, obviously, with the Bills. Then he hires Mark Ross to, you know, to oversee everything, who's on our show is a good friend of mine who I've worked with, um, who's with NFL Network right now. Um, and then he hires Whaley, Doug Whaley. So, I mean, obviously I got the call. We were all talking and we all had great ideas and, and excited about, let's give this thing a shot. See if we can't make it work. I mean, nobody's ever made it to year two. I've worked in every, you know, I worked in the AAF, boom, shut down. I worked in the XFL COVID boom, shut it down. So I'm going to, Hey, let's give it another shot. But I think there's a market there for it. Um, I, we have some pretty good ideas. We're going to be aggressive. I can tell you we're going to be aggressive is the best word I'm going to use as far as rules, talent, as far as how old are they going to be. I, yeah, we're going to be aggressive. I love it. I love it. I don't even know where to start. I think yeah, there's, there's going to be such bit, yeah. An op- yeah. And we'll definitely, we'll, we'll talk XFL and we should share here. The pod goes on, correct? We can still yeah, we pod got it the up. Blessing. We got the blessing from the XFL. No, Russ Brandon likes our show, and he said, "Let's keep, let's keep it going." So, sounds good to me, man. I'm, I'm thrilled. I know, man. I'm, I'm this. excited. We're gonna have some good. Hopefully, get some good stories out of this too. But what an opportunity! I mean, you put it perfectly there. I think you really did see a lane for another league in that um, post Super Bowl pre-draft window i mean there's an opportunity for something to just captivate the country i mean people were into that first week of the aaf they were into the xfl before covid really hit that i think that the the hunger is there right there there is a market and if you implement the right rules i'm sure you can't get into everything here but i've, I've been banging the table look there maybe you just touched on it you give you get give these kids an opportunity to go professional 
earlier, maybe they would like to feed their families. Crazy thought. Maybe this talent that they have, if they had a talent in anything else at 18 years old or 19 years old, and they could use that to provide, why not football? There's, I think as long as we could somehow provide an opportunity for them to earn college credits while they're playing in the XFL and they're making money, you play for three years and go to the draft. Right. I mean, it just takes that one, it would just take that one, you know, that one guy, you know, that one, whoever it is, a five-star, I, you know, I would love to, I mean, that to me would be where you can make history as far as a five-star turns down college to go make money and earn credits, you know? I, it absolutely will happen too. I don't see it will why it's happen. such a crazy, yeah, it doesn't seem so crazy to me. Like, I just feel no. like just takes, you know, it just takes that one person that can understand the vision of, hey, why not? Why should I get, let's go to make money and learn the game, you know, from, you know, a professional type atmosphere. So. You know, personally, I would prefer that 18 year old just go to an Urban Meyer led program, you know, a fatherly figure somebody that will really nurture yes. them along, you know, really teach them about life, you know, maybe leadership too, maybe, you know, grinding on women that aren't your significant others at a bar <laughs> when you're drunk and you're not flying home with your team. That oh, could be, boy. that could be a course as well. No, but you know what? I think we've touched on it before in so many ways, even beyond football college is kind of a sham. It is. And if you can because cut out the middleman, if you can provide the development and the opportunities with an XFL, colleges aren't going to I mean, they're going to be terrified of you guys, as they should, because kids don't need it. I, for some reason, it makes sense to me, but, you know, it just, it's just going to take, you know, like anything else, just takes that first. It does. But something like that is something I would just think would be a game changer. I'm so excited. So 2023. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think the goal is to get the teams assembled this fall, you know, um, not when I say this fall, like November of 22. Yeah. I, and, and then try to get ready for the spring of 23 for games. I think there is, man, I just want to talk XFL this whole hour. I really no, do. we like, don't have to, I don't, cause to be honest, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to it. Of, yeah. There's a lot. I um, don't know yet. So I'm kind of like, I can't wait to get a lot more knowledge and share it and talk about it. It'll be cool. But there's a lot of talent that gets lost in the shuffle. You know, you it's, watch an NFL game. Yeah. How many times is there a Rasul Douglas getting a pick six or, yeah. you know, a running back that nobody's ever heard of that uh, Chase Reynolds with the Lions is running for 112 yards. Yeah. But there's these random guys come in and have these big games. You can't tell me that elite like if you're a player and you're kind of buried on a practice squad or you're six string you're not gonna opportunity go to the xfl get on a on a network television get your name out there get the ball in your hands show the world what you can do um there's gonna be a pool of talent to really pick from i think i'm telling you so the starting right guard for the 49ers right now we when i was in the aaf i was working in personnel for the san diego team um awesome job by the way like as far as san diego hell yeah oh man i'm telling you that was the best um 
Mike Martz was, that's a whole other, you know, we'll talk with that. I'm sure we could have a pot on that. That guy. Is, I have so many Martz questions for you. Yeah. That guy is, I don't know. He's out there, but he, <laughs> he is, he is an offensive, like. Well, Belichick kind of broke him though. Right. Like, I think that was in Seth Wickersham's book. I, I still have to read it. Interesting. That's yeah. so interesting. But anyway, this, the starting right guard for them, we 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 had, um, you know, on our team in San Diego, like I was like, dang, that's cool to see him doing that. And tight end for the um, Chargers that got hurt the other day, that Parham, he was an XFL fine. That's right. So don't like it's definitely you know you'll get those guys you know or you can just get guys that are going to continue to play football at a high level get you know and, and continue maybe their education or whatever it is but a lot of different options a lot of different options i like it well i'm yeah. thrilled for you happy for you thanks man this has been it's been great you deserve the opportunity and um appreciate it yeah i i, I don't think, even think it's a I don't even think it's a debate. I, it will succeed. Um, I, I can't wait to see it succeed too. All right. Well, we're brought to so you now, by Hamburg Brewing now, Company. We, we've got we to gotta throw that in there, right? We, um, we definitely do. And you got the Frosty IPA is just that time. It's that time of year. It, it is Frosty, the IPA season. I will say though, Jim, right now I'm working a little grounded. It's the bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout with coffee. I mean, you can combine coffee and bourbon together in a stout at 10%. Yes, that's 10%. That's, um, that's the beer of choice. That's pretty days. strong. It's good. It's good. I can't, I can't tell everybody one. enough. Check it out. Get their beer. Um, you won't be disappointed. Never. So I figured we talked a little New York Giants today. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's up to you. I mean, I, I <laughs> it's been incredible, man. That was, it was nice to see some other people. I feel like I was I'm the only one <laughs> telling people what's going on and it's behind the scenes sometimes. It's a, it can be a shit show. You and nailed you, it. You have heard enough stories from me. You got it from the Giants now. Like you see how this dysfunction is a real thing in these for the NFL teams. It is. Completely. And to kind of bring it back to why I launched the go along newsletter. I mean, it's to try to find stories that you're not going to get at a press conference via zoom and the centralized messaging from these NFL teams. It's, it's sad, but that's kind of what it is without open locker room, without that ability to get in there and do some original reporting, original storytelling. And, and look, like we've always said, there's there's teams out there that work, that they hate it, that work around it, that are very, very helpful. And there's teams that aren't. But by and large, that's kind of where things are going. Like, here is the messaging. Here's what we're pushing out. And I feel like the truth gets lost, yeah. you know, when, and, and the people that lose out are the fans putting millions of dollars into this product that make this product possible, that are obsessed with the NFL so, yeah, I, th- I mean, the impetus for the story, Jim, nine of the last 10 years, they haven't made the playoffs. Five years in a row, six wins or less. You're talking about the New York Giants. You're talking about the quote-unquote model franchise, as many refer to them as. And it just it just starts with why. Like, how, how did it get this bad? Like, how, what, what the hell happened here with the Giants? And uh, I, I reached out to as many people as possible. 
And look, Dave Gettleman, four years in, things have only gotten worse. And they're giving away medium sodas as for fan appreciation. Um, the team isn't really fighting at all on the field. And he let a lot of people go. And yeah, these are the people willing to speak freely. These are the people who want to explain to the public what's going on. Here's what happened. Draft to draft, pick to pick. It's not opinion. This is just what happened. This is what went down. So um, I should, first of all, if people are listening and new to the podcast, which, which you might be, Thank you for subscribing to go along. I, I, I've been blown away, Jim. I mean, the response has been through the roof. Um, if anybody had any doubts uh, about, about the giant fan base, it is loud. It is massive. And they want answers. They want to know how it got this bad. And they want changes. I, I think they're tired of the status quo of just promoting from within, promoting friendly faces, not getting an independent thinker to come in and fix the shit going on. That's what they need. Like, sorry, it's you hung on to Eli Manning too long. Probably going to be in the hall of fame legend. I get it, but it's a theme on this podcast, right? We've always talked about when do you let go? How do you let go? You had to cut bait sooner than you did. Hey, guilty as charged on Daniel Jones. (laughs) I took that hook, line, and sinker. I love this game. They might be getting time to really think about him if you're the Giants. <laughs> Cutting bait. If, because if you hang on, look, if you hang on, look. you're going to be blind to a potential savior for your franchise. And uh, please, if, if you don't subscribe, subscribe, check it out. We have all the detail in there. But kind of hanging on to Eli a little too long kind of kind of blinded them from the possibility of another quarterback. One example being Patrick Mahomes and uh, Ben McAdoo, who did a lot wrong. He was not perfect by any means. Ben that McAdoo loved Patrick Mahomes. Like he went to his pro day, loved him, wanted to get his hands on him. And, but they weren't in the mindset, right, Jim? Like they weren't in the mindset to even think about what Kansas City did because of the Maras, because of this Eli infatuate or this Eli belief, I should say. Yeah. So you running back and round and round you go um, in the next year, I should say. Right. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this whole situation, Jim? I mean, it's uh, I'm fascinated by it and I'm not, you know, obviously I have no stake in the game. I'm just trying to no. get answers on the, on the why and the how and the what, but if I was a giants fan, I would, I wouldn't be happy. Like I, it, it, they're in a bad place. I think we've, or I know I've talked about it on this show enough. When you're structured correctly, it starts right with ownership that's going to spend money and pretty much stay out of the way. Do the Giants have that? That would be a question mark, correct? Correct. The GM and head coach have to be tied together. They have to be, or else you're just banging your head in the wall. These two weren't, these two, this was a, they didn't know each other. Like they didn't have some, this was a kind of a forced relationship and then your fourth thing has to be franchise quarterback don't have it they have none of the four things you need to be a successful team organization right now like they're not close and it starts at the top to get get out of the way get out of the way pick who you want gm or head coach who are you gonna who is it 
Does the GM have all the power? Then he hires the head coach. Does the coach have the power? He hires the GM. They have to be synced up. And then go get your quarterback. Move on from Daniel Jones. It's not going to work. Like, it's just not. Not in New York. I, you know, I don't hate Daniel Jones as a player. I don't. Um, I don't see – I haven't seen a lot of improvement. Like, it's, it's still the incredible amount of turnovers and, you know, poor decision-making. It's, it's just not getting better. It's really – they're really far off. Yeah, they're far off from being a good organization right now. It really does start at the top, though, and I get it. Yes. Dave Gettleman is central to this all. You know, he is yeah. the general manager. He is the one at the press conference table, you know, saying that Saquon Barkley was touched by the hand of God. And Daniel Jones, when he saw him at the, at the senior bowl, you know, he, he was in love, which Jim, um, senior bowl game, I'm guessing not usually a uh, strong uh, wasn't, no. <laughs> persuader. Doesn't need to be on your radar. I mean, you're getting – the, the rules are strict. You don't, you get like, I think maybe one blitz. Like there's one way yeah. to blitz. Maybe there's only a couple coverages. I mean, you're not getting anything out of that. That's not even which fair kind of, to judge. Yeah. It's kind of affected your career though. I mean, you come in, to, well, not to go down this road again, but you came to no. Buffalo after they drafted EJ Manuel. I think Buddy Nix probably used that senior bowl performance by EJ to an extent. I don't know the details on that, but some. Oh, he was. It was, he, yeah, we get an EJ, but yeah, you can, I guess you can be around a guy, especially at the senior bowl a little bit where this is where you're around. Now they're around coaches and you're finding out what, which guys are like, Hey, these guys are sharp. These guys are, you know, which players are kind of pro ready. Yeah. So, you know, you get that on you, you like a Daniel Jones, maybe that's what Gettleman just thought he was, the next Eli, you know, and Peyton, because they went to the man. Both coached by David Cutcliffe. They had the same demeanor, similar games. But back to that point on ownership, it it does start there. And uh, I'm sure they would deny the meddling, you know, until the cows come home. Look, all you have to do is go on the team website. That's all you have to do. Go to the personnel department. Look at the first name, Chris Mara. Then, as I was told, you go go to right below that, a nephew of the owner. Like this is family. This right. is family in personnel in football. I mean, we're not. This isn't being invented. It's not being made up. Um, nobody's saying that 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 he is above the general manager, but the presence of somebody who is not going anywhere, he's not going to be fired by his brother, has an effect. That's how an Eli Manning sticks around. Like, but, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure they, they aren't alone. I mean, this, this is the case in a lot of places. And look, if you, if you own a team and I always come back to the book, America's game, Jim, by Michael McCambridge, everybody, please, if you're looking to get somebody in your life, uh, a last minute Christmas gift, and they are a football fan, like, I, I can't recommend the book enough. Have you read it? America's game. No, and you're making me want to because you've talked oh. about it. And like, it feels like it's something I, I need to really sink myself into. 
it just takes you from the 40s to today, basically, on the evolution of the sport. But I just was reading a chapter recently on Jerry Jones and like when he bought the team, you know, he, he sacrificed everything. I mean, he put his life savings on the line, all of that. And he made it clear immediately, like, I am moving to Dallas. I am going to be immersed into everything. This is my life. So you own a team. You paid for the team. You feel like this is you, – you, you do – you're able to do whatever you want, right? But we see it again and again and again. Like, it doesn't lead to wins in many cases. You need to set your ego aside. Ego is the root of all evil. You need to somehow – strip that get somebody that you trust that you believe in in there look no further than new england where i know robert Kraft has stepped in from time to time we know the tom brady stuff but guess who's running it's bill belichick he realized he had some greatness there and he is gonna let that greatness do its thing and that's an extreme example but there are franchises that are run correctly the baltimore ravens the pittsburgh steelers um and there there are some where I think we all kind of assumed the Giants were this model franchise when in reality, ownership, it, they do have their fingerprints on things. Yeah, and it, it's, um, I don't know, when you go through it, when you read what you were talking about and getting these stories from these guys, you know, I like it sounds real because I've been in those situations where it's like, you, those are real life debates. I mean, where you can have a coach love somebody and the scouting staff not, and it can, it can seriously change your franchise. And that's why there has to be a clear, clear, clear decision maker in the building. And what is the vision for the team? Great point because that came up again and again with the giants, Deandre Baker, Georgia cornerback. Um, troubled in college, and and please, all the details are in the stories. Um, which that's subscribe, it's all there. Does. But yep, scouts, Marcus the, Cooper is the area scout. Um, yep. who was from Buffalo? Did you guys? I don't know if you guys yeah, cross paths. Work, Cooper and I work. Yeah, we work together. Yeah. So I was told, you know, he's the area scout down there, and he told the Giants, "Look, I t- talked to the position coach. He's got work ethic issues." He, he did the digging. He, he talks to where, to the people running the workout facility um, down there uh, where he gets ready for the draft. They're saying he's not yeah. showing up. He's trying to FaceTime him during the season. He doesn't answer sometimes red flags all over the place. And uh, Pat Shermer wanted him bad. And Dave Gettleman bent to the head coach. And that's where it pays to have a GM be the decider. That's why Ted Thompson was so good. Like he wasn't perfect. Like Ted, especially toward the end when his mind started going, but he didn't say much in his press conferences, but he made it clear. Like it, it ends with me. Like I'm going to make, be the decider. I'm I'm making that final call. I don't think, you know, Gettleman isn't like sitting on a throne, um, being some type of emperor, you know, he, he, if anything, like he maybe should have been a little more decisive as far as that goes. But yeah, because with DeAndre Baker, you know, with Shermer and basically, hey, get his ass in line. I don't want to hear about anything. They took him with all these reservations and and what happened? You know, he's he's terrible. 10 games in, he's the 113th ranked corner out of 113 corners in the NFL. His teammates are calling out his work ethic. He gets benched by Pat Shermer. He has the, the incident. Um, who knows what happened? The charges were dropped. 
right? And he's playing for the Chiefs right now, but he was arrested for holding up somebody at gunpoint. It's not pretty, or I should say allegedly. And his attorney said it was extortion and charges were dropped. However you slice it, that notwithstanding, a terrible draft pick, a first-round draft pick, and they knew the red flags, and they still took them. And that's where you should have listened to the scouts. There's an art to scouting. There's an art to it, and you're getting to somebody's character. Now, here's what I want to ask you, Jim. Like, As a coach, you do know you need some guys with a little shit to them, a little edge. Like, and that And that's where it gets tough. Like, how do you kind of differentiate the player who's very, very talented, who may have a little baggage, but you can work with that baggage. And I think that's probably where it comes down to just football character, right? Like if, if there's somebody, you know, it's going to show up early, stay late, put in the hours, but he has a little baggage. Maybe you take the chance on that guy, Micah Parsons, who they didn't take a chance on. Um, that, how do you kind of wade through that discussion? It, you'd be shocked to sit in draft um, meetings and hear area scouts, you know, when I used to be one and you wouldn't believe the amount of things we knew about these guys. That's all you do. And I learned at a very young age as a scout is my grade on a player. Like if I think, Oh, you, you know, we should take him in the second, third round, fourth round, whatever. I was all into that as an area scout. I was told that that's the furthest thing they need from you that, that let them make that decision. Like that's what they're getting paid to do. Your director of scouting, your GM, you know, everything you can about that guy, character off the field, whatever it is, mental, how intelligent you have to be ready for those questions. Yeah. I always thought coach Payton did a great job of putting us on the spot as scouts, you know, Hey, what's, you know, boom, you know, tell me about him quick, you know, if, and be able to like, you know, what are we scared of? Like, what is it, you know? And then they decide like, what do we take the chance on? Yeah, is it his hands, is it his football character? You know, what, how, you know, how bad was it? You know, what are we talking about? I don't know. So if your scouts are saying, if they're telling you stay away, you really have to think about it. I really believe that. I just, you've got to, the scouts, I'm telling you, they know a crazy amount of things about these players. Because you're investigating these players. Oh, it's, I mean, and- it's unbelievable. That's why I told you the 30 for 30 with Urban Meyer, Florida would be. I knew, yeah, I knew, I felt like I knew everything about those guys. <laughs> I did some good digging. I just remember the digging I had to do for that team, those teams. And I the, the, I got a good source. I had I I networked and got a good source. And I felt really? like I like if you felt like you just broke a story or if you were in that line of work, that's how it felt. I was like, boom, I got my guy. Like I got an assistant coach that told me everything. Oh man. I know you yep. can't say who this assistant coach is, but this is somebody who I would never, I could never dirt, do that. Told you the too, dirt on all these players. Oh, I'll never. I was like, I felt like I was writing a novel about the University of Florida. Like, 
every guy had a, a long, long list of things, but they were so talented. When you write that's, a, that's why I guess that's my point. Yeah. What do you weigh? You know, does he love football or not? Does he love it or not? Everybody has stuff they're going to do off the field. Can they handle it? Because they love football. It's so true. I don't know if uh, it's that simple. The like, casual fan just, realizes yeah. that there's a lot of guys who are very talented, but they don't love it, uh-uh. right? Like they on Sundays they they might play it because they're <clears throat> good at it, but they don't they don't love it. It's a job. <clears throat> that running back we traded for Bryce Brown. Yeah. Um, I was a big fan of his. He didn't love football. Is that right? Mm-mm. He didn't love it. How could you tell? Like, what are the telltale signs? Just talking with him and even Anthony Lynn. I remember we were all just like, I, it was just always something. He always had something, whether it was bad luck with an injury or off the field stuff like that was family related that was tough. It just, I don't know. I he just didn't seem like he just loved, loved football, but he was so talented. I mean, his, his career arc reflects exactly that where he comes in as a rookie in 2012, seventh round with the Eagles. And he, he has a very good season. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry, 115 carries for 564 yards. Has another pretty good season after that. And then you guys acquire him in 2014. And I, didn't he have like a big fumble that season? Yeah. He was getting ready to score. He was playing really well too. Was that the Kansas City game? Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Man. It's unfortunate because I feel like a lot of these guys – I mean, you can't make somebody love something, I, I suppose. But you would think that later in life they might look back, you know, he might Google his name and look at that pro football reference and say, damn it, you know, I should have poured myself into it a little bit more. Or maybe not. I know. I know. It's tough. It really is. It's tough. But you've done a lot, so many stories with mental toughness, mental health it's so real it is so when you're writing a report and this was in um yeah i believe part one of our giant series so with, with the giants when dave gettleman came in i mean he basically wanted to just wipe the memories of the scouts mm-hmm. change everything completely change the scouting system from this numerical uh, alphabetical categories you know v- Separating guys based on a letter grade with a number and uh, the history is all in there. You know, it goes back to Sid Gilman, Tom Landry's Cowboys, the mid seventies Patriots, George Young brought it to the Giants. It's tried and true. And then you have the Ron Wolf system, which also works and obviously it's worked for the Packers, but Gettleman kind of brings that in. But at the nitty gritty level with the scouts that I talked to, when they're writing reports in the past, they could kind of freehand it and, and, you know, write it as a story, mix in the positives with the negatives and, and have an intro. You know what I mean? Like 
here's mm-hmm. here here's the true story on this prospect. And Gettleman was like, no, like positives, negatives, cookie cutter, bang, bang. When you were writing reports, which did you prefer? And what do you think is the best way to go about it? And how does it manifest itself when you are deciding on these prospects? Yeah, um, it's funny. It's every scout has a certain style. Um, I always try to tell a story, you know, kind of work your way. You hit them good with the good, good quick, you know, does this well, does this well, concerned with this. And then, you know, and you mix it in throughout. Um, yeah, the, the positive negative thing, it's too, yeah, you're missing out on details. Like the scout will be able to tell you some of the, you know, expand on the positives and negatives and really dive into why is he going to be good or why would he fail? I always like to talk like that. Hey, what's going to prevent him from, you know, because sometimes you answer your own question. You're like, yeah, I mean, he has some, you know, these negatives may prevent him from being, even if you thought for sure, like this guy would, you know, you have to check yourself and really dive into why would he fail? I agree. I I don't understand the cookie cutter form. I mean, I feel like if you really want to get to know a guy and I'm I'm biased because my job is to try to tell a story that's interesting and has an arc and, and, and just pulling people in and and makes you interested. Scouting is the same thing. Like, let's let's get to the truth and let's get to it organically let's not you know feel like we're um on an assembly line with this all Uh, (laughs) but so if you're if you're dave gettleman and and you're taking over as gm all right you're dave gettleman jim it's 2018 all right you got the job let's even set aside the fact that he got the job with the agreement to some degree Eli Manning's the quarterback all right <laughs> okay that, that's you, can what just, yeah. you can never you can do whatever you want with Eli Manning let's do that in 2018 as GM and you got the second overall pick with all those players that were available what are you doing in that moment not not in hindsight what are you doing right then is it you, you're your quarterback you are we are taking a quarterback we are moving on from Eli. It's enough. Like enough. That's forward thinking. Yeah. That's how you have to be. You have to know when to cut ties. And obviously they had the shot at Josh Allen. And I know Sam Darnold was there too. And nobody really knew where they would have gone because Dave Gettleman didn't really uh, entertain the thought. It seemed like it was Saquon all the way he didn't he didn't like any of the quarterbacks any for a running back like i know bradley chubb is there quentin nelson is there trading down you were three and 13 the year prior trade down get picks rebuild you have holes everywhere it's it was the ultimate luxury pick it really was wasn't it i just yeah i mean what running back would change? I, I can't even think of one. 
I mean, I love Christian McCaffrey, but he can't stay healthy. No. Alvin Cook, I mean, he's a stud. But does he change your team? I don't know. I just don't know if running backs change your team. I mean, case in point is Saquon Barkley's rookie season, right? I mean, they go 5-11, and 11, but he rushes for 1,307 yards. He has 721 receiving yards. He catches 91 balls. He scores 15 touchdowns. He does everything that you want out of a running back. And guess what? You won five games. And then he plays this position where the college scouting director is saying, it doesn't matter what you have on the offensive line. He's Saquon Barkley. You see this film? It's unbelievable. (laughs) Well, guess what? That line isn't very good, and it never does develop. And Mm. Dave Gettleman's mistakes compound. And he does get hurt, and he's playing behind a bad line. Tears his ACL, suffers the ankle injury, has the low ankle injury. It's it's been sad, you know. He four years into this, going on five, and he hasn't changed anything. And you know what? He's the same player he was at Penn State too. Like that's the thing. Like, I mean, granted, not with the injuries. The injuries have affected him. I'm just saying, like, it's it's not like they drafted him thinking he was a good player and he was a bad player he's a good player but yeah, the nature of the position no and everything you've done around him has made it such where it doesn't matter it doesn't mm. and that's where who's making these you know how are you moving forward as an organization like who thought a running back was going to change in a year where you had all those quarterbacks. Right. You know, if, if they were smart too, if Dave Gettleman was a good poker player, what he would have done, right, is, okay, e- okay, even if you have to roll with Eli for right now, fine. Okay, fine. Sell to the public, sell privately to other teams that you can't wait to move on from Eli. And you're going to draft a quarterback. And guess what? It, it might be Darnold. It might be Allen. It might be Mayfield. It might be Lamar. You keep them off balance. Build up the value of that pick to the upteenth degree and then trade down, right? Even if it's just a few slots. I mean, look look what San Francisco had to give up to move up to take Trey Lance. Like, you could still get a Quentin Nelson. You could have gotten a Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, that, that draft was was loaded from yeah. what I recall. Vita Vea was in there too. You need everything if you're the Giants. You need everything. So even if – that's the thing. Dave Gettleman said at his press conference, re-watching those, that he – take him at his word, he didn't like any of the quarterbacks. <clears throat> so if you don't like – or I forget exact, his exact quote. None of them blew him away. Like he wasn't enamored to the point of needing to take one at number two. But he, right, if that's the case, fine. Make it make it seem like you love everybody to these teams. Just go act like yeah, and then trade down. Am I being naive? I feel like I mean I'm not. I haven't been in the NFL. Is it, could that be a thing that he could do? Um, <clears throat> yeah, you could do it. You, you should at least sell it. You should sell it, like you're saying, like because it was a quarterback heavy draft. 
like you were in a power position. Yeah. Like you were in a great position to take a quarterback. Yeah. The heck with all the trading, you should have been everything you could find out about Josh Allen, Lamar, like, I mean, you're talking about two of the most physically gifted quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Lamar. Oh, my gosh. Just physically gifted. And that's the thing, too. It's like, of course he should have the acumen to know that one of these guys is going to be a stud and you need to add that player. But even if you don't, even if you don't, use the perception that you do. And instead, after he took Saquon Barkley, here's here's what Dave Gettleman said, quote, people call you and they want the second pick in the draft for a bag of donuts, a hot pretzel, and a hot dog. Go away. Leave me alone. I ain't got time to screw around. Does that sound like somebody entertaining offers for the number two pick, Jim? Oh, my God. Our in- the industry is just hilarious. Like, it's such a bad quote. General manager for four years. That's such a bad quote. Of the quote. prestigious New York Giants. Looking for hog mollies. Yeah, well, that's a hard one for me. I have some friends on that, you know, that went through that with, you know, with the Giants. and Yeah. It doesn't upset uh, me to see them struggle. Man, well, I hope everybody is able to learn a little bit from our series. Like I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for subscribing, for supporting Go Long. This is uh, completely powered by the people. You know, we're not tethered to corporations or advertisers or anything like that at the newsletter. It's, It's all direct from the consumers and we want to get answers. We want to figure out why. And people were willing to explain it. We appreciate that. We'll see what happens. I think they'll probably just promote from within, Jim. I think they're going to make the same mistake. We'll see. I I did hear from a source, um, an AFC exec, that they are interested, at least interested, in a football mind to come in. But then you hear, well, Kevin Abrams is a strong contender to move up. He's been in the organization for 23 years. He was a salary cap guy, if I'm not mistaken for, that's how he kind of got it, cut his teeth. He's not out on the road. He's not looking at these guys as a scout um, nearly as much as everybody else. What do you think they'll do? What does your instinct tell you? That makes it tough. Like who is going to be the power position? Is it, is judge going to survive? They love Joe judge. So he might have the power. So he, it's not dissimilar, right? From what we've seen before. Um, I, mean, I guess it's, it's different from your situation, but McDermott did get power. But we've seen front offices shaken up to some degree, and then the head coach emerges with the final say. It seems like the Maras love Joe Judge, um, and that yeah he'll 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 probably have a lot of say, won't he? And if you take him at his word, he wants to roll with Daniel Jones. 
That's his guy. <laughs> Man. I can't what a like division. What a division, you know? You know, we were poking fun at the Philadelphia Eagles for a while. Right now, you know, if you were to ask me which team will win the most games for the next five years, I might say Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts, if he develops as a passer a little bit. Howie Roseman has not been perfect. <laughs> but uh, No, no I, I like the way they play. Like, they're – They play hard. They're hard. They play hard. Nick Sirianni's done a good job. Um, <laughs> Dallas has a lot of talent, but Mike McCarthy is, you know, still settling for those field goals at the end of the half. And Washington, I mean, they've been – got COVID and everything hit them hard. But I, I was so high on Washington into the season, Jim, and – um, the, the secondary started so, so horribly. Strange how bad. Yeah, strange how bad. They couldn't overcome it. All right, any final thoughts on the Giants? Any no, man, that was great. It's really, it's, it's really been fun. No, it's a good one. It's a good one. Well, thanks. Thanks so much, and thanks, everybody, for reading. And everybody, please send my man Jim Monas here a congratulatory tweet. Or beer. Maybe they can find you and just get you a beer. We're so happy for you, Jim. Um, oh, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some good fun. Would. Yep, we're going to have some good fun with this. I love it. Love it. I mean, we'll make the XFL a part of things. We'll we'll, we'll give oh. people a look at this league that they're not going to get anywhere else. You know? Let's no, we're going to have some good stories coming. Yep. We should get some good guests, too. I like that. Beautiful. Some, some head coaches you're going to be surprised about. Ooh. So you've got some names. You know what's cooking behind the scenes. I like it. it at that. All right. Well, if that's not a reason to subscribe to Go Along, I don't know what is, right? Hey, golongtd.com. Subscribe to the <laughs> podcast, Apple, Spotify. That That's all over the place. And uh, until next time, geez. Well, hey, bear, talk about burying the lead. Jim, are you in the Christmas spirit? Now that oh. we're just a few days away. Like every yeah, getting the job announcement right before Christmas. I'm in. I'm in the spirit. Love it. Things are happening. Fire up the Muppets. Play the Mariah Carey. I like the Mariah Carey. I like it. Okay. Beautiful. Well, congratulations. And thank Cheers. you, everybody. We will catch you very, 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 very soon. <laughs>